0: The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. Time has come. All
1: will be accounted for. Or we will hunt Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to
0: be. This is the Superhuman Registration Podcast. My name is Steven, and I've got John and Aldo with me. We're getting a late start, but it's worth it because we've read some really entertaining stories today. I'm excited to talk about these with you folks.
2: Uh Aldo, John. Yes. <sighs> What's happening? Is. I I'm all pumpkin spiced up and ready to rock.
1: <laughs> I got to pull out the sweaters finally. Uh oh, sweater weather time of year. Hoodie
2: weather. Hoodie weather is the best weather.
1: Mm-hmm. It helps to hide the fat.
2: <laughs> That's why I like them.
0: <laughs> it's also soup season. We cannot overstate the importance of soup.
1: Yes, we can. Soup is disgusting. Are you, oh, what? My, I love soup. What nope. are you talking about? I went to Zupa's the other day, and it was just a wonderful little reminder that I like to drink my food sometimes. That's
2: the problem. When you drink it, it's not food. It is. It is a liquid. It is a drink. And that's not disgusting. Soup I'm is so chilling. disgusting. I don't like any kind of
1: soup. John, I can't, I cannot. What about, this.
2: what about chili and chowder? No, disgusting. Still, if you drink it, it's not, it's a, it's not, no, no. What about
1: soup of Toscana?
2: I'm going to tell you this again. No soup whatsoever.
1: What about chicken and gnocchi?
2: Uh, no. Once you have more liquid than food, then it's gross.
1: No, but you see, the beauty
2: is the liquid is the food. It's really not. Someone just dumped a bunch of water on my dinner. That's what you did. Well, that's your problem. You're not using water. You should be using stock or broth, sometimes milk. The word broth makes me physically ill. I understand it's a necessity in cooking, but I want you to hide it under a sauce or something. Use it to richen, enrichen, and enriching. That's not a word.
0: Well, neither is I hate soup, but here we are. Apparently, this is the nonsense conversation we're having.
2: No, I'm I'm not kidding. It's disgusting. Maybe it's a maybe it's because I don't like a lot of vegetables, and that's kind of the backbone of soups. But you there, there's a point when it stops becoming like when you when you need to eat it and not drink it, and then it's okay. Like I I love like you know a you know, like if there's more rice than than everything else, then great, that's wonderful, you know.
1: A Yeah,
2: <laughs> 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 that is uh, a. <laughs> <laughs> this is unbelievable no, I, don't have a, I don't have a Cajun I don't have a Cajun first name to go with Caesar, like Jules Caesar who lives down in the bayou and got stabbed in the back, I, I got nothing Yeah, soup is disgusting and the quicker that everyone realizes that, the better. You don't know what's under the surface of that soup. I do because I
1: made it uh, you... Did you? I don't know, people could hide stuff under the surface. I don't think I could be more shocked and frankly, a little disgusted by you, since you mentioned that you don't watch trailers, and now this. <laughs>
2: I don't watch trailers so I can enjoy movies better and not set unrealistic expectations. I, I don't they're, want they're to they're eat soup down. because it's barf.
1: They're meany two-minute movies.
2: Yeah, and I love trailers. Trailers are great. They set unrealistic <laughs> expectations for the movie. They give too much away. I like having that experience in the theater and not knowing everything because I'll pick it apart. I'll know, okay, uh, I see that uh, these characters have a conversation, so I know that they're both going to live and that, that that scene is still coming and I'll try to piece it together and miss what's really there. What's really there is probably a great movie, but if I'm too like busy f- trying to figure it out, You know, because I'm going to do that anyway. Like, oh, where's it going? That's it engages you. That's what it's supposed to do. But if I'm look, soup is disgusting. Why are we talking about this?
1: (laughs) Because soup is delicious. It's not. It is not. There is nothing better in the fall than like a delicious grilled cheese sandwich and a nice bowl of tomato soup to accompany that.
2: Yes, there is. Pumpkin pie is better. No. Um, Any kind of pie uh, is better. Also, a knee to the groin is better. Oh my gosh. We're here to talk about Ghost Rider. Yeah, this is the hill I die on. Welcome to it. There's no soup
1: allowed. Oh my gosh. Thanks, everybody, for coming to the last episode of the (sighs) Superhuman Registration Podcast. It's been a wonderful set of four years. (laughs)
0: John's just saying this because he's trying to get out of reading Marvel Zombies next time. (laughs)
1: No, I, would, I like Marvel Zombies. You guys are the ones who don't like Marvel Zombies. It's on my soup list.
2: It's just—it's <laughs> it's so bad. It's—it's it's the thing we have to suffer through every year. Because I thought—I thought stupidly the first time we did it. Boy, I'm glad that's over. That experiment failed. Who on their right mind would like this? And they kept churning them out. Yeah, so we're going to be reading them forever.
1: Yep. And they don't stop. That's the—that's what's baffling. Is there's so many of them. I posted that link that shows all of the Marvel Zombie stuff that's being published, and it's just so much. Just of it. kept scrolling
2: and kept scrolling. It was so sad. But luckily, luckily, that's next week. And this week we have some good stories to read.
0: Yeah, took a dive into the world of Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider. So we read the origin story and we read his uh initial appearance as a member of the Avengers.
2: And
0: yeah. Both interesting stories. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Where should we start? Should we start at the beginning? Should we start with the origin?
2: A very good place to start.
0: Yeah,
1: the beginning is often the best place to start a story.
0: Yeah, well, let's do it then.
1: Oh, dang it. I shot myself in the foot. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, so for the first book that we read, we did read... The all-new Ghost Rider series specifically—it's not like just the next Ghost Rider. Uh, this all-new Ghost Riders is from twenty fourteen. We read the five—the first five issues, which were written by Felipe Smith and artist Trad Moore. Uh, this that I mentioned came out in twenty fourteen. I don't know if I said that part. Uh, but anyway, so that's what we read. It's a pretty quick introduction. There's a lot of action sequences, so like. It kind of like Shauna, it moves really fast. This is probably, I think like a five or six issue story typically takes me like an hour to read. This one took me about half an hour. Uh, So a lot of this is set up. It is an origin story. We meet Robbie who is taking care of his disabled little brother who can't walk. They live kind of in the hood and they live by themselves. They don't have their parents with them. So Robbie goes to school, works at a uh, at a mechanic shop, and tries to street race using um, borrowed cars, for lack of a better term, for uh, to try to get money to help get his brother out. I think there's a better term. He steals the car, he steals but he's the car. he's the good guy,
2: he so gives he borrows. Back, but he steals them.
1: <laughs> a- yeah, he te- it's a temporary theft,
2: <laughs> with full intention to replace. And probably, yes. he's a mechanic, so he's probably going like, to touch them up, make sure that they're looking nice and there's no mm-hmm. no wear or tear.
1: So on one of those uh, nights of thievery, uh, he is racing, and as uh, he's winning the race, he believes he's being chased by the police. It's not the police, it's kind of like a military uh, mercenary group. And when they catch up to him, they gun him down. They just straight up kill Robbie Reyes. Uh, Robbie is brought back by a spirit that haunts the Charger that he had stolen, whose name is Eli. And we would later find out a lot more about that spirit and who it is and its relation to, to the car and all that stuff. But that's that's in the future, and that's kind of spoilers if I were to discuss that, so we're not. Uh, but in the scope of the story, uh, he kind of makes a deal with, with the spirit. Um, it is not revealed and really isn't even uh, later it's not really a, a spirit of vengeance it is kind of just a spirit and so that's kind of what we're led to believe that it's just a haunted spirit i think if you have knowledge of ghost rider your assumption is that it is a spirit of vengeance because of course so i guess that might have been a spoiler sorry it's not <laughs> anyways <laughs> uh so he kind of tells them, you know trust me you know give me like you know hang out with me and i will give you the power to Help change the world. Or help change like your environment. Help you and your brother get out of here. And just kind of keeps telling Robbie to trust him. Trust me. Trust me. Right. And so eventually Robbie does. start letting him. Use him as kind of a vessel for power. And they chase. Or they're looking for the people that. You know essentially killed Robbie. And that kind of involves. These. The mercenary group which is being uh, hired by a scientist who was creating, like, a superhuman formula. These, like, pills that help kind of morph and mutate and in people. Eh, <laughs> I'm <begging>. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, like, that's one aspect of it. There's also the gangsters that are, like, just the very low street-level gangsters that kind of bully Robbie and his brother Gabe, as well as the actual... Like the big gangsters, uh, who owned the car, who had some of the drugs hidden in there. There's a lot of like who was helping who, and a lot of hiring. There's just kind of a lot of back and forth of alliances on here between, specifically between like the gangsters and the scientist. And it all kind of culminates, at least in this first arc, to that scientist uh, kind of overdosing on his drugs, becoming like super big. And eventually losing his power from that overdose. Kind of like reset back to zero type thing. And Robbie essentially getting a little bit of revenge on that. Uh, But actively seemingly working to not kill. Even though the spirit is constantly telling him. You know we're going to kill everybody. We're going to burn this whole thing down. So on and so forth. So that's kind of the first series. He doesn't even go by the name Ghost Rider by the end of this. He's still just going to Robbie and it's still just a spirit. But yeah. A little different from our other Ghost Rider uh, origin. And Robbie here doesn't Oh no, my brother can't walk. Hello Satan. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so thoughts?
0: Um, I'm going to just start with the one like made main, main criticism that I have, uh
1: mm-hmm.
0: I really dislike the design of this character,
2: yeah, I really well i I dislike this like how his skull looks in the flame. I think his jacket's fine, his hair's fine it's it's like you know unrealistic, like people don't actually look like this, but you know, superheroes and comic books do, so I'm okay with it. But the skull is just too odd and angular, and it kind of messes with me. It looks better when he is uh, an Avenger. We'll talk about that later. But, yeah, I'm not wild about just the initial look of, of, you know, it... I don't know. It looks almost, like, fake, like it's not a real skull. That's kind of what I'm used to with Ghost Rider is that, yeah, it's a skull. It's on fire, but it's still a skull. This is like, you know, it looks like a plastic mask that's skull-shaped, you know. I don't know...
1: Oh, I am I am really the minority here because I actually love the fact that it doesn't look like a skull. I think if it had looked like a skull, it would have been a little boring. I think it would have been, oh, cool! It's a skull. Everybody knows how to draw that. Um, <laughs> I think the fact that at least for me that it's so stylized, for me is a big selling point. It I for me it really helps differentiate Robbie visually from the other ghost riders yes. because at the end of that at the end of the day he's still just a dude in a leather jacket with a flaming skull but the fact that the skull looks so different really does make it feel like he's not just Hispanic Johnny Blaze yeah,
0: yeah. and i i i see i recognize i acknowledge the need to <laughs> differentiate the character visually from other versions of ghost rider I just, this look does not work for me. Um, other than that, very, I would say, minor point of criticism, uh, this story rules. I quite liked it. <laughs> I,
1: I also didn't mention it. I know we want to talk a little bit more about the story, but, uh, <laughs> sorry to, uh, switch over to a different subject. I just want to talk about the art real fast. Oh, the
0: art's so good. yeah. Uh,
1: Specifically for me because I knew this artist before they started doing Marvel work, because he did a series for Image called the Strange, the Strange Talent of Luther Strode. Oh,
0: I've heard of that. I've never read it though.
1: Yeah, so that's all he did. He did. They did three volumes. Him and the writer, and very like interesting art. Like a lot of kind of distortion on perspective and kind of muscular distortion as well. Really good handle, I think, on kind of on like musculature. Uh, I think if that's the right term. So I really like the art in Luther. Strode. It's really violent. It's very like over-the-top gore. It's very much like Spider-Man if it was done by a mid-2000s edgelord. Where like, <laughs> <laughs> for like the Spider-Man movie, right? Like the uh, Tobey Maguire one when he fights Flash and like, he punches him. and He just, you know, he just knocks him down the hallway, right? In Luther Strode, they pretty much did that same scene except when he punches him. Uh, he breaks his jaw clean off, and they really make sure Ooh. that you know and everybody in that room knows how gruesome that is. Ooh. Yeah,
2: I, yeah, I've yeah, i heard that name before, the name of the series, but haven't seen any art for it. And I'm flipping through just Google Images, and there's a lot of muscles, there's a lot of blood.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was surprised when he was going to do the series, when they announced that it was going to be him, because I think he had also done some covers for Marvel. Right? And I think that was kind of the... Kind of entry into doing this kind of full-time gig for them and i'm so happy he did there's a lot of really great kind of action sequences Uh, obviously there's not a lot of blood and a lot of blood there is quite a bit of violence but i really do like some of the perspective some of the fights i think it's the second issue when it's the girl who the gangsters try to roofie transforms into the monster and she grabs somebody and she's like throwing them across the room. And just the way that the whole room is kind of being distorted and it's all being guided by like her arm as she's throwing this gangster around. Like that's really well done. I really like the way this guy does uh, perspective. It's It's, really cartoony, but I think it so works to his advantage.
0: You know what it reminds me of? And I don't know if this is a like perfect... Uh, representation of this style but it reminds me a lot of like concept art for Street Fighter specifically because there's this sort of distortion of musculature and human form specifically to emphasize the action uh, it's not necessarily super verisimilitudinous. that's a great word that I can never pronounce um, but <laughs> it. Does a good job of selling the intensity of the physical activity itself in a way that's mm-hmm. very exciting. And it's also, I feel like it's very different from anything I've seen from basically any other Marvel artist. And yeah, I don't think it's 100% my jam. I don't want, in the sense that I don't want every book to look like this. I want this book to look like this all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they're like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just really was blown away by the art style as just being something just different enough from what we see from other superhero comics that it's fresh and exciting. And it feels very appropriate to depicting this sort of like uh, impoverished gang-ridden neighborhood and the people who inhabit it. Uh, I just I was I was completely enamored with this art style the entire time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was definitely. For me, it's it's one of those weird like I'm so proud of my boy moments. <laughs> 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 he did Luther like you know. He did the three volumes. I think he also did a couple other things. And not that there's anything wrong with like Dark Horse or, or like uh, you know Image Comics. Uh, they're reputable. They're great. A lot of good stuff comes from them. But for some reason, like, you still can't help but feel that, like, Marvel and DC are kind of, like, the big leagues. Right? Uh, yeah.
0: For a lot of people, they still
1: are. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it was, at least for me, it was, like, super great to see that. And to see him still kind of be able to do the art that he was known for. Yeah. Instead of kind of being forced to, you know, maybe adjust or change a little bit. Granted, I think the only real difference is the amount of, like, gore. But, uh, you know, the the violence, the kind of how visceral and how energetic the fights are, like that really comes through in the art. I thought it was
2: unique, you know, the Mm -hmm. stylized, you know, it was a little...
1: You thought it had a great personality, didn't you, John?
2: (laughs) No, I still liked it. I think it worked. (laughs) I think it was used effectively. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite style that I've seen, but I still (laughs) thought it was good for the comic and made it stand out and made it so it wasn't just like okay we're just checking boxes and making sure that we have you know a hispanic johnny blaze all right done let's move on you know it made (laughs) it it made it stand out um I thought, you know, pretty standard origin story. Um, mm-hmm. I liked where we get, you know, Robbie not giving into to the, the easy way of just going for revenge and taking out everyone who wronged him, you know. He ends up in the end just beating up the guys who stole his brother's wheelchair, not, you know, killing them and sending them to hell like Eli wants him to do. So... Mm. You know, he chooses the better path, and that's where I think we get something out of him that's, you know, less like, you know, always oh, a good big brother, oh, he supports his little brother, always, oh, always trying to protect him, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, 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 okay, he's a, he's a good guy. This is, you know, he's a good guy, w- even when he has power to do the things that he's needed to do, wanted to do, but couldn't do before, because he does get in a fight with these guys before he gets his powers, and he gets beat up, and they take his wheelchair. So when he has the power to do something about it, he doesn't go overboard, and, you know, we see, you know, he can control it, so. And probably that will change in the future,
1: but. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of, like, similarities, I think purposeful similarities to Peter Parker in here. Well, it's a Marvel origin story, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, of course. Uh, but, but I think, like, some of the interesting stuff is that like peter parker right they're both good students and they're both bullied and they both kind of are in less than ideal situations but i think where peter parker specifically like when he got his powers some of the first things he did was going kind to of show off kind of exploit those skills for money and you know beat up his bullies that type of thing right here we kind of see a different approach where it's like he already has enough to deal with and he recognizes that Doing those things, it just isn't the way. Like, just kind of keep doing what he's doing. Like, still like being a good student. Uh, you know, he's even encouraged to become like a community kind of leader type thing. He keeps doing the like the right thing for his brother, or like the way that he thinks his brother would want it. Um, I, I just think it's kind of interesting. It's like like you said, it's a Marvel book. It'll obviously there'll be some parallels. Uh, but I think it's just different enough that it doesn't feel like it's just Peter Parker.
0: Yeah. And I will say, okay, I guess there's another thing that I kind of want to just highlight as a criticism here. I <laughs> want a little bit more darkness from my Ghost Rider.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fair to say. Yeah. like this is From your Ghost Rider book or your Ghost Rider character?
0: My Ghost Rider PBS television show from the mid-90s.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I watched that. Yeah, so Steven's, great. like writing rally S on his hand.
1: <laughs> oh with the with Julia's as Julia, St- is Julia Stiles? Yeah, Stiles, She, Stiles that, yeah?
2: <laughs> she yeah, did a guest try. spot and that's what the the meme has become famous from that. But yeah. yeah. She's just yeah, she was a hacker. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, no, anyways, but like I
0: I like the aspect of the ghost writer character as having this like real conflict between, you know, good and evil within a single person. Um, I think sometimes mm-hmm. it goes a little too far. Some of, I think it's Jason Aaron's run on the character, I think, it goes a little bit farther than I want it to. This doesn't go far enough into that darkness. To some extent, I think that's okay, because this is mostly set up for this character. Um, and I... Kind of, you can see some of the direction the character goes. It's it's a very different take on the character of Ghost Rider generally. I, uh, although you got into some spoiler territory earlier, it doesn't mean anything to me because I don't really have any context for it. <laughs> I'm excited to see more about this character. I want to see more of this sort of figure in this environment. It's, it's kind of the way that I've reacted to a lot of the indigenous American characters that we've been reading about recently that I felt like have been interesting and underexplored because this is an aspect of real world that we don't see interpreted through the lens of superhero comics very often. I kind of feel the same way here where Robbie Reyes is in a neighborhood that he doesn't necessarily like, but it's his neighborhood. It's, It's full of, like, gang violence. There's poverty going on. I think there's a danger in doing this sort of story that it can, you know deal in a lot of really harmful tropes and stereotypes, but I think there's the building blocks here to do some really interesting stuff in this sort of neighborhood with this sort of character um, that could be, like, useful storytelling, authentic storytelling. So I'm excited to see more of this and more of this character and more of this locale.
1: I think for me what's interesting is this book is full of stereotypes, right? Like, it's... (laughs) It is. L.A. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. It is an L.A. neighborhood. There is a Hispanic auto shop. There's a bunch of gangsters there. There's a bunch of gangbangers. There's a bunch of, like, ladies out in the front yard, like, yelling at each other. Right? Like, there's just a lot of this. There's constant, like, shooting. Right? Like, the part where he's like, oh, that's firecrackers. He's like, remember, we don't go outside when there's firecrackers. Yeah. Uh, Like, it's it's just chock full of stereotypes. I think what I like a lot, though is that Robbie himself is not such a stereotype. Still right. a little bit, right? Like, he's a young teenager who's good with cars. Boy, we haven't seen that in, like, 17 different movies from the 90s. <laughs> but
0: you know where we legitimately haven't seen that, though? In a superhero comic. Yeah. I don't he's, think I've ever seen that this character con- before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and what I like, though, is that he's not a gang... He himself isn't a gangbanger. He's not in a gang. That's not him. In fact, like, that's kind of called out a few times, right? Like, he doesn't really hang out with any of the drug dealers or the the gang members. Uh, The actual, the kind of gangbangers, like those, you know, the uh, I forgot his name, but the blonde kid.
0: Oh, yeah, Vanilla Ice.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, He's, like, an actual gangbanger. And and when Robbie shaves his head, for whatever reason, I don't know if they, they really explained why. But when he shaves his head... You know, he calls him out. He's like, hey, are you trying to be like us? Like, that type of thing, right? He's very much not that. He's recognized as not being like that. He's kind of a studious kid. He's skilled. He's knowledgeable. It makes sense that he would be a mechanic with as smart as, you know, we're led to believe he is based on his grades, right? So I, I like that they didn't resort to that with him. Yeah. I'm happy he's not the TV tropes, the cholo with a heart of gold. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah it it helped that his dialogue wasn't the stereotypical you know cholo like gangster guy dialogue because that's all we got from everybody else you know
1: what What you mean you are spirit fool yeah see <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah these these homies trying to trying to pump drugs into the neighborhood I say oh boy
0: <laughs> oh boy yeah um, so the scientist, <laughs> the bad guy—that's a that's a Marvel villain. It's it's Mister Hyde. It's Marvel yeah. Comics' take on the character Mister mm-hmm, Hyde. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've read him in a couple of other stories. He is doing exactly what he's supposed to do here, which is to be the bad guy to get hit. <laughs> um, although yeah. I will say yeah. that the monstrous forms, like he's got his Mister Hyde drug that he's modified and is now selling it to the the uh, drug runners in the area. Um, the monster forms are really interesting designs. I really like them. Uh, Grumpy the gangster like grows an extra set of arms. When Mr. Hyde overdoses, he grows feet out of the bottom of his feet and he's just like stacked feet. It's just so weird and so gross, but so cool. Not like gross in the sense that it's like, oh that's disgusting. It's if you think about it, it's disgusting, but if you look at it, it's like, wow, that is really well done. I'm going back to gushing about how much I like the art mm-hmm. again.
1: It's it's grotesque, but not like in a vomit-inducing way. Right.
2: Yeah. It's like you can look at this. You can real. You can. It'll it'll gross you out, but you won't have to look away. Like Marvel Zombies Mm -hmm. next week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I found myself kind of on those some of the pages where you see Grumpy and Mister Hyde, where they're kind of really showing off just kind of how much their bodies have mutated. I did find myself just kind of like staring just kind of watch like really kind of look looking Mm -hmm. at like how they were distorted again this is kind of well done i thought so
0: yeah oh and i guess one other thing to add to the list of stereotypes in this story mr wakeford the well-meaning white teacher who wants to save the inner city kid
2: he's got to be a bad guy right like we're going to read later on and find out that he's secretly been a bad guy or somehow connected because he's like What do you say, Robbie? Can I count on you to bring about progress, to use the power within you to ignite change in your community? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You have Ghost Rider fire powers. Wink. (laughs) That would be an interesting twist. I don't know. It just felt very, I don't know. He was like the white teacher in an inner city classroom, and I was like, okay, you're you're a creep somehow. I don't know. I got a creep vibe. Like, maybe it's like the white savior thing where it's
1: like, well. It's definitely the white savior thing. It's a it little bit definitely, sort of thing, yeah. Oh, what is this? Uh, it's definitely Adrian Brody in that one movie where he's a teacher. Adrian Brody was a teacher in the movie. Yeah, and he's he he's teaching like in an inner city school, and then like some kid walks up to him and throws his like briefcase across the room, and he's like, "You can hurt the briefcase, and you can throw it across the room, but I'll tell you what, you can't hurt my feelings." Now take this pen and now take this pencil and this paper and sit down and write like your paper and it's like Wow, alright <laughs> Um I'm
2: I'm I'll look. I <laughs> I don't wanna correct um your your assessment of that film. I'm pretty sure you're discu- you're talking about uh you're mixing up uh Adrian Brody and Michelle Pfeiffer, uh in uh, Dangerous Minds from nineteen
1: ninety five. I I am not, but that, that movie also qualifies as the exact same thing.
2: I, I, I hate
0: to correct both of you, but I'm pretty sure that you're mixing all of these folks up with Hillary Swank and Freedom Writers.
1: No. I'm pretty sure we're all right, but these are all whitewashed versions of Stand and Deliver. <laughs> Which is also, honestly, not that good a movie. I wow. don't say that. I haven't, I haven't rewatched it in like a decade, and it helps. Well, that's such because you haven't had a substitute
0: heart. teacher
2: in a Spanish class. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you watch Stand and Deliver. in case you' in case you're wondering Dead Poets Society great Emperor's Club, which is like Kevin Klein doing uh, Dead Poets Society no, it's bad. it's a bad movie. <laughs> and I love Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein is terrific. Um, yeah, it's not a good movie. It's like it's trying to be that kind of oh inspiring teacher. oh you still teaching the kids even when they grow up kind of oh it's bad. I thought I thought my Adrian Bro- getting mixing up Adrian Brody and Michelle Pfeiffer joke was funnier, and I got nothing out of Aldo, so I'm very
1: disappointed. No, oh, yeah, I laughed. <laughs> I thought it was very good,
2: John. It was a good joke. A
1: good joke. I like yeah. the coloring in this as well. <laughs> <laughs> I really like. Yeah, it's it's really vibrant, right? Like we yeah. have a lot of black. We have a lot of. Uh, I don't know. This is the next sentence. There's a lot of black. In the inking and the draw and the colors in here, but not so much that I feel like I'm watching like just hints of color. Cause like all of the stuff that's vibrant is still vibrant. Like the the gang members themselves, like you know they they wear like their white tanks, uh, and that is a white. They're very white. They pop. The fire somehow still pops even amongst all the color that's happening. Yeah, instead of just a page full of fire.
2: They did a cool thing where we get, you know, a solid, like, red with some kind of, you know, darker red kind of background. But then the uh, flames are like a bright yellow-orange and really dynamic. And, you know, that's what we get hit with in the foreground. And that's what's on, you know, Robbie's head. And the wheels of the car. I didn't notice until I was flipping through, just looking at the art while we're talking about it. The wheels of the car turn into flaming wheels
1: Mm -hmm. uh, and just zoom all around. And it's really cool. I love how much... You know, in in Tradmore's art style, how much a lot of the fire that is coming out of the car and Robbie feels like it's ribbons, right? Like the ribbons yeah. of fire. Like it's not just, here's a big fire. Like it feels like it's coming out and like dancing gracefully around him. <laughs> I wonder how much of this, because there's a, when you're drawing in um,
2: Procreate, which is a digital app, and I'm sure you can do this in anything, there's like a liquify option where you can take your lines and everything and then just go around and screw them all up and make them all crazy and wild. And I wonder if there's been some digitally altering to get these like, you know, crazy curves that we see, you know, where we get those libin, the libin like, wow, <laughs> where we get those ribbon-like flames. I don't know. It's a cool effect and sets this apart. We even get it in some of the like the faces. Um, yeah. Like you look, get like up close with some of the eyes. Well, the uh, issue three, I think, ends in close-ups of all of the characters kind of getting ready to confront each other. And the scariest one of all is Dr. Zabo. Is that who he is before he turns into Mr. Hyde? He's yeah. like, you know, he's just a scientist in glasses and he's the freakiest one out of all of them. And Grumpy's already transformed at that point. So, good start, and this makes me want to read more Uh, uh, Ghostwriter, the Robbie Reyes Ghostwriter. So I think it's very effective.
0: It's it's doing exactly what you want an origin story like this to do. Just yeah,
1: I am just a little bummed out that immediately after this, it's a different artist. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like what, kind of like what you said earlier, right? Like this is, at least for this whole run, this is what I would want the whole book to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I also I also don't like that he shaved his head. I thought that was kind of... Well, he grows the hair back,
0: way. at least by the time of the
2: Avengers. Yeah. And what's with this? Do we find out... I don't know if you've read about his scars that he has?
1: I didn't. But based on the things I read, I think I know what that means. But. Mm. Yeah.
2: I mean, lucky yes. for him, they're symmetrical and work to give him a cool, a cool look. And he has that, like, oh, I'm missing part of my eyebrow thing. I don't know if that's, like part of it or just like a comic book thing that characters have yeah
1: Uh, yeah. I I also like that his skull kind of mask skull thing um it has like that hole in the forehead where you get a lot of fire and a lot of kind of effects that come out of it and I think that also helps to make it look Mm. different
0: you've lost me a little bit I really don't like the design the the visual design of the character
1: I know (laughs) (laughs) I understand that I am. I am the minority in this. Although, you're the (laughs) minority. Never mind. (laughs) I can't can't make that
2: funny enough for me to be okay.
1: (laughs) You could have. You you were right there. No. You're on the cusp. You're on the cusp. (laughs) Anyways, that's enough for this minority report. (laughs) Racism. Uh... It's funny when it's consensual. (laughs) Oh,
2: gosh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. How many episodes in are we where Aldo gets to call us whitey? (laughs) Fair is fair. Um, Should we move on to the Avengers? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. So, in the spirit of vengeance, I mean, in the spirit of uh, keeping this a (laughs) Robbie Reyes-themed evening, we read The Final Host, an arc um, which kicked off the uh, Avengers, run from 2018 by Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Inker, um, Mark Morales. Color artist, David Curiel. Letterer, VCs, Corey Pettit. We, this starts off a million years in the past. And we get Odin. We get Agamotto, the first Sorcerer Supreme. We get a Black Panther, an Iron Fist. A Star Brand, which is a Hulk. And I think that might mean something more later or it does already and i just i don't know what that's in reference to we get the phoenix um who else do we have a ghost rider um all of them are teaming up to take on a celestial the ghost rider is riding a flaming mammoth and that might be one of my favorite things about this Anyway, they take on this Celestial, and um, they say that they've just defeated one, and then a whole bunch more have showed up, and they say that, oh, this one, you know, it was already, this one that they fought uh, was already infected with something, and they have new ones that they're they're fading, and this is all, they're pretty sure they're all going to die. And then we jump to present day, where the Avengers are getting back together, Thor, Tony, Cap and um something's coming out of space at the same time the sorcerer supreme dr strange and t'challa the black panther are in wakanda and investigating some uh, archaeologists who have died discovering some strange runes or ruins and um they see symbols of their own the black panther symbol they see the sorcerer supreme symbol we find out later they see the Ghost Rider symbol and something is coming out of the earth um, in space, um, Captain Marvel sees something coming at the Earth. Um, all of these things combine. Um, Jennifer Walters is just on our way home, and Robbie Reyes is just doing his thing. And then all these things combine for um, the uh, dark celestials to attack. And that's that's pretty much what we're dealing with, is the Avengers have been kind of off again, on again. This is after Civil War Two, is that right? I believe so yeah so there's you know there's been a little bit of weirdness, but they need to become Avengers again and so um, we see them all come together and try to deal with the fight that's going on these celestials have fallen out of the sky and landed in places all over the earth and so they need to figure out what's going on and it turns out it's dark celestials that are being manipulated and or controlled or run by Loki so it's very much a um, return to, um, you know, the, the Avengers' origin. They, they team up to fight Loki. This time, instead of, you know, pitting the Hulk against them, he has turned Celestials against them. And uh, this is the final host. There have been previous hosts of Celestials that have um, come and fought. And uh, this is the final one. This is going to destroy Earth. And, and Loki is just, uh, just chuffed to be there. Um, a lot of things happen, and I don't want to break down like every second of the action, but it's yeah. all very cool. Yeah. Um, like, there's a scene of Cap and Loki in the center of the sun, and um, there's a race through uh, ice to get a mythical, mi- a mythical artifact between She-Hulk and Thor, and um, She-Hulk kisses Thor to warm him up because they're in freezing wasteland, and um, they're... Um, Captain Marvel and T'Challa become the science bros and get to, you know, arm themselves to fight off this um, inf- infestation that is, like, these, these bug-like creatures. Um, the long and short of it is, the it turns out the origin of life on Earth was a dying celestial who had been infected, and then the infection, these, like, giant... Um, really hard to kill kind of uh, bug creatures are now in the middle of the earth and they are starting to emerge. Um, Celestials in the past came in the older a million year before avengers defeated them um and loki is trying to be right and show all of the avengers everyone on earth that they are a disease that they need curing and the final host is the one to do it they all put their heads together and um, attack the problem from a bunch of different ways um the black panther and captain marvel fight off the uh bugs um, um, the artifact that Hulk and Thor find turn them into like, I guess they're supposed to be frost giants, but they're like a bigger version of themselves. Tony, you know, plays one of his Hail Mary cards and brings in an enormous, uh, suit from Mars that, uh, he's able to control and be enormous. And then Ghost Rider uses his power to, instead of inhabiting his car, inhabits a body of a, de- a dead celestial, and they all fight him off. But then um, it's still not enough because they're as big as the celestials and they're fighting them, but they're not as powerful as them. And so they... Oh, I'm like, how do I do this without, like, going beat by beat, punch by punch? This is a really cool story. And I loved uh, most everything about it. And so um, <coughs> they manage to trap loki um ghost rider actually is kind of like coming through clutch in a lot of this is able to save captain america trap loki in his trunk for most of this fight the more that um ghost rider is in the body of this celestial the more he is kind of seeing the big picture he keeps saying we're all god's vomit we're all god's vomit something that loki said earlier Um, and they realize that they can you know, become this infection that, um, is killing the Celestials and that's what they're going to do. Um, at some point earlier on, they find the Eternals who were sent to earth by the Celestials and, um, we'll not get into the Eternals. It takes too long (laughs) because the Eternals, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Sorry. They, they use the Unimind because they, um, passed it to Tony Stark and he uses it and he's like, this is a little, gonna sound a little kumbaya, but we're gonna, um, a little hippie-ish. They all join together and their powers combine, put them into Robbie Reyes, and then Robbie Reyes is able to, um, fight off the Celestials and, well, fight them off, like, turn the battle of the tide and then it kind of ends with all of them fighting, really. It's not like one, one punch and they're all dead. It's, you know, that's what makes the difference. Um, by that point in the story, I was caught up in, like, this really great art, really cool, um, designs of everyone. I like this version of Robbie Reyes better if we're looking at these two, um... There's a bunch of things that I liked about this, but I've been talking too much. Um, What did you all think?
1: Uh, Ed McGinnis usually turns me off as an artist. Um, I'm not a fan of Ed McGinnis art. Every time I see that he's drawing Spider-Man or any character I like, it's like, cool, they're going to look like chewed up bubblegum and spandex. (laughs) I don't know what he's done to change his art style or when that change started happening, but I really liked what his art was looking like in here. It yeah. looked a little bit more inspired by, like, Hector Hector Delgado. Um, I think the characters actually look a little bit more varied. They don't look like they're all chewed bubblegum stuffed in a plastic bag. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a very and specific sort of criticism. <laughs> they all look just like... Okay, in, in previous Ed McGinnis books... A lot of the characters just look like, not even bulky, they look round, they look bumpy. Everybody kind of looks like they packed on 40 pounds everywhere. Like, I'm just not a fan of like how he typically draws. At this point in his career, it looks like he's, like, like I mentioned earlier, it looks like he's taking inspiration from other places. I think the characters look a little bit more dynamic. Tony Stark does not just look like a metal version of Captain America. He, like, looks and feels different. T'Challa looks like he has a different build than other people. Like, uh like, uh, Miss Marvel and Doctor Strange both kind of look, like, a lot skinnier than the other characters because, of course, they do. So I just like that his characters now feel a little bit more varied before everybody kind of used to, like, melt the same. So all that to say, not to, like, just completely crap on this man's, you know, legacy career. (laughs) But uh, I finally like his art. (laughs) This, so, we talk about like, oh, this is,
2: you know, Marvel House style or whatever, and it's fine or whatever. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, At first glance, it kind of looks like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, Marvel-style comic book or whatever. But the more I'm looking at it, the more things that I'm seeing, you know, we get um, good expressions on the characters. Jen Walters isn't just like, you know, Uh, A big green woman Or like you know Trying to be sexy Like she's a hulk She's like big and muscular And like beefy And there's not like an attempt To like you know Like sexualize her or anything So it's a relief Because of you know That character's past uh, portrayals Um, The coloring is really cool The paneling is really cool There's a lot of you know Times where they have to show Different things happening At the same time And we get um, you know uh, like side by side panels that are really interesting and dynamic. All of the um, celestials look really cool. Maybe it's like that's his thing, like drawing big things in mech suits or whatever, but um, really, really liked the art a lot. <sighs> Story wasn't quite as good as I wanted it to be. It starts
0: off so promising with, you know, the reveal of the Avengers from 10 billion years ago or whatever. And mm. that's the sort of like cosmic-level nonsense that I think can lead to some really fun, really fascinating stories. And um, I think the element that's missing for me, I've kind of complained about this before, Uh, I come into this and I'm looking for, if you're going to tell a story on this scale with, you know, the Celestials and legacy of heroes going back millennia... And the organization of a new team and all of that. Like, I feel like there needs to be something going on more than just the big superhero action. Because when it comes to the big superhero action, this book delivers, right? It it ends with giant-sized Thor and She-Hulk and Ghost Rider and Tony Stark just beating the crap. It's it's a giant kaiju battle. But... (laughs) There's nothing thematically to it more than just these are superheroes and they're fighting supervillains. And I feel like, especially when you're dealing with the Celestials and the sort of like creation myth element, it should be more than that. It should do more than just lead to a admittedly really cool dust-up. It just... It's a little bit of a letdown when you... But I think at the same time, this is also setting up more to come. Because Odin alludes to other sins that his original sort of Avengers group committed. So there's more that's going to happen. This is kind of doing the same thing that, you know, Ghost Rider did. This is the setup for all of the fun stories that are going to come. It just feels like as a story on its own... There's not much to grab onto here if you're not already invested in these characters. If you are looking for cool thematic elements or uh, anything like that, you don't really get it. And and to Mm -hmm. me, that makes it fall a little flat because of how epic it starts.
2: I think it assumes some familiarity with the team. And so you can see, oh, it's them banding together when there was a threat too great for any one of them to save the whole world, it's Loki again. Um, There are nods, you know, we see in uh, this uh, last issue here, second-to-last issue, where... You know, it mentions the Watcher, you know, watching the um, nexus of all realities. The the Vesalist Starbrand roars through the white-hot ether, searching frantically for a new host before it's too late. Uh, The Shi'ar Empire is observing the, you know, uh, Jean Grey falls to her knees overcome with fiery visions. The um, Iron Fist is, like, observing all of this happening. Odin's all this watching. So, yeah, I think it's aware of the Avengers' role in the Marvel Universe as, like, the team. Mm-hmm. And the the team to address the biggest threats and everyone else is just dealing with, you know, stuff on the surface, you know, the fallout from it. You know, they're dealing with their dead celestial in their neighborhood and not, how do we save the entire planet from this? And I think we do get a bit of, you know, uh, the, the story you're looking for uh, in the Cap and Loki conversations, but it's nothing, it's, you know, Loki being Loki, Cap being Cap. You know, it's the, you know, Cap being, being stubbornly... You know heroic yeah but that's in the face
1: not of, you know. i i think my problem with that is that that feels kind of boring well we have seen like, it before i don't know it's yeah, yeah it just at least for me like that whole conversation that whole bit was i i just did not care for it because it was just like okay well cap's just gonna be stubborn because cap is that father who thinks he knows everything mm-hmm. and loki is also just gonna pretend that he's gonna be the neighbor who tells you know cap the dad how to raise his uh, his own kid and blah 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 like it was just like ah, we've seen this conversation play out we've seen this in the movies we've seen this in the comics there's nothing of interest here uh, other than like some thinly veiled like exposition and like seed planting uh up until Robbie gets there right and he starts having this his oh we're all God's vomit type conversation
0: this I okay I feel like I can say this because we've read a lot of Jason Aaron books, and we really like Jason Aaron. I do not like the way Jason Aaron writes Captain America. At least not in this story. He's so... He is such a square. He is such a stick in the mud. It's like, <laughs> we need to be the Avengers again. And Tony's like, I don't want to be the Avengers. And Cap's like, yes, you do. And... Loki says you humans are weak and mewling and you come from these microbes you're nothing more than the plague and Cap's like no we're not it's it's so dull <laughs> it's so just and it's it's uncharismatic cap needs to be a little bit charismatic and it just this just uh, this doesn't do it for me there's a lot of stuff that I like about the story. I'm coming out of the gate very, very negative. I agree with everything Aldo said about the art, except for the fact that I liked Ed McGuinness before. Uh, I do think this represents a big move forward for him. Layouts are fantastic. There's some just really striking images. Loki laughing in chains at the end. Uh, the the mm-hmm. panel where all of the Avengers are leaping into action side by side with the Celestials and Caps shouting Avengers assemble. Like... Those are fantastic. Those are, like, phone background-paid, like, images. They're so good. Um, I like... This is one of the better portrayals of Tony Stark. I've, I, I kind of like... He's, he's a little bit too hesitant to get involved with the Avengers. Like, I, I feel like it's not done in a relatable way. But a lot of his dialogue... I can actually feel the sort of character they're going for in a way that I felt like other versions of Tony Stark just don't land because they don't have the Robert Downey Jr. delivery. But this almost feels like it works for me. And so, like, there's a lot of good stuff about it. It's just the first couple of pages set my expectations so high, and it just didn't quite deliver on what I wanted from those initial pages.
1: I I did like... I I think for me, part of it is that kind of an agreement with you about Tony is that in the beginning, it really feels like Tony's the only character here who has learned anything from the past, you know, five events yeah. that have happened. Because uh, he, he's, he, you know, he's saying, you know, we're done. we're We're kind of yesterday's news. Like, there's people, there's, you know, a lot of people who can do what we do but better. Let them do their thing. And it really does feel like this is almost Jason Aaron critiquing the return to to the default, right? Like, and doing it through Captain America, where Captain America is just real stubborn about that. Nope, nope, we're needed. Nope, we gotta come back. Nope, if we don't do this, what else are we gonna do? Sell hot dogs? You know, whatever, right? Who, who do you uh, think
2: is carrying the story, um, if not Cap? Is it Tony? Because I think a lot of the plot is moved forward by Tony kind of, you know, running the show. we get kind of some levity and pop culture from Doctor Strange, of all people. Um, T'Challa doesn't have much to do um, apart from a few scenes with you know Captain Marvel, and she has a little. I don't know. I don't know. Is there like someone who's a good through line for the whole for
1: the whole story? That's the problem. Is I think the closest I would agree with any of that is either Thor or Robbie. Yeah. Because I don't think that Cap Cap really. I don't. At least to me, doesn't really do anything to carry the story. Tony is is reluctant the whole first half of this book. And everybody else is just kind of there, kind of reacting to stuff going on. Thor's the only person who's Thor and Robbie are really the only two people being proactive about things. And Robbie doesn't even start out proactive, right? He's he. he it's very gets reactive. In this, yeah, he gets in this fight, and eventually, eventually, he becomes a little bit more proactive. Once he kind of steals a, a part of the celestial, and he chases you know Captain America and Loki into the center of the sun, which is a really cool sentence that. It, doesn't really do a whole lot in the story. Um, I thought it was dope. Yeah, it doesn't... The
0: the story... This is a story that is so fun to describe, and it's not as
1: fun to read
0: as it is to describe. I think that's one of its biggest problems.
1: Yeah, so so up until that point, that's when he becomes proactive, right? And then he has this whole little... He gets that little spiel from Captain America that's, you know, like you You might think that this isn't your fight, but this is where you're needed. This is your fight, right? And then that's when he realized I thought Robbie knew this prior to that that he could convert other things into hell rides. but apparently he did not realize that he turned that tractor into a hell ride. yeah, so when he goes and then you know takes that dead celestial's body and turns that into like a hell ride, takes that over. like that was a really cool like character moment for Robbie, right. And so I think a lot of the ground, I guess as grounded as you get in the story, really falls on Robbie. A lot of the bigger, more, kind of, um, I don't want to say majestic, but just the bigger parts of the story are kind of carried through by, by Thor, because Thor's the one who has, you know, it's Loki that his it's his brother who's kind of leading the Dark Celestials to Earth, right? So he has the most agency kind of in this as, you know, a brother and rival to Loki. He's the one who goes over to talk to Odin since he has that history with Odin and, and you know, taking uh, She-Hulk with him to go get the weird frost egg thing. And that he's, like, so, So I don't know. I, I think if you're asking me who has the most agency, who is the most person stuff in here, I think it's those two.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think Robbie is the only one who. Well, Robbie and Stark are the two who actually have character arcs, because Tony yeah. Stark starts reluctant to be part of the Avengers and then kind of embraces it towards the end, embraces it as though putting it a little strong. Um, yeah. But Robbie actually has a character arc, mm-hmm. um, where he like feels like he doesn't belong with this level of threat and steps up anyway. It's not much of a character arc, but it's something. And it's more than most of the other characters get. Captain America is completely stoic and completely static the entire time. Uh, Black Panther is a bit static too. He just is kind of subsisting on being the coolest guy around who does all this crazy <laughs> cool stuff and everybody's a little bit jealous of him. I, I feel like there's they're really leaning into the the kind of myth of the Black Panther in the wake of things like the Black Panther movie, but also events leading up to things like Secret Wars, where the Black Panther's just been established as this really versatile, powerful, intelligent character that everybody else is just kind of playing catch up with. And so he's cool, but he doesn't do anything. Like, personality-wise, nothing changes for him. None of his... I don't know. I, I, I feel like in a story where you find out that the human race is actually descended from alien viruses and they're like an infestation on the planet Earth. I feel like the characters should be shaken up by that more than they are. And nobody is yeah. fazed
2: by it. Except for Robbie. Yeah, we don't get time. You know, things are happening too fast. Mm-hmm. This is a six issue arc. Mm-hmm. If this was a little bit longer, there would be no doubt some scenes where they'd sit around and go like, "Can you believe it? Like, what does that mean? Is our whole life meaningless? That we're just an accident?" Or you know, and then we'd get the cap speech like, "No, we are our choices. No matter where we come from, blah 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 blah." If mm-hmm. it was a Bendis story, they would have met and had a big conference, you know, <laughs> about it. <laughs> it's
1: but like it's a Jason Aaron story. Session. Yeah, yeah. So but I feel like Aaron can do this though. I think for me, part of the problem is... I think Jason Aarons is a really strong writer. I think when he has... A, this, When he decidedly has a lead, he has a main character that the story focuses and follows. I think that's when he's at his strongest. And I think that's part of the problem here, is that this is very much an ensemble book. And I don't think even Aarons knows who his main character here is other than the Avengers, whatever that means, right? Yeah. And maybe that's what he's going for, though. Because everyone has like a little, you know, everyone
2: gets a cool moment. There is that. Yeah. The coolest moment is for Ghost Rider, the newest member of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, turns out, oh, wait, he might actually be super powerful. He's just not tapped into it yet because he's, you know, a new hero. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we, we aren't really... <laughs> We're seeing this not through the eyes of any one character, and maybe it would have been, you know, um, a better story for that if it was, you know, a funny thing happened on the way to, to <laughs> you know, old Asgard or something, you know, if we saw this through Thor's eyes, if we saw this um, through Robbie Ray's eyes, you know, the whole yeah. way through. Um, but I think I, it I, was too big to do it that mm-hmm. way.
1: I No, I, I, see, and I and I'm of the opposite kinda of thought I was I was totally totally in agreement with you open to the last sentence where I oh. think it's too big to have it not be focused on one or two characters. And I think that's kind of where it falters. Is and I and I really think based on like what you know you asked earlier where like who felt like who was leading this. I think if you had focused on Thor and you had focused on Robbie, specifically on seeing this story through their eyes and their reactions to things I think it would have elevated the book because you would have had the kind of big godly perspective, right? Like this is a big thing. We have to fight these celestials and you know, there's obviously history here, like big epic million year old history and kind of discovering that through his eyes as somebody who has been around for so long and contrasting that with Robbie and him being shaken up by the revelation that they're all a God's vomit and discovering his you know, true power and and stuff like that. I think if you had really squared it into those two perspectives, I think the story could have worked out a little bit better. Um, and I think it still needed more time to breathe. Like, kind of like you mentioned, I think if this had been a 12-issue series or story, it might have worked out a little bit better too. Because it is such a big thing. There's big revelations here. They needed more time to really... Get reactions it's, and stuff. Yeah, it's a universe shakeup, really. And and it's kind of surprising that it, the end of this book just ends on a montage. Yeah. Where they fight one celestial, they get the edge on them, and then it's just a montage of them beating up other celestials, like that Rick and Morty episode where Rick and <laughs> what's her name work out. <laughs> like.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: That's just what this is. Well, I also,
2: as I flipped the last pages, was hearing DMX play um, as <laughs> they just whooped on slit. <laughs> no. Uh, we know what's going to happen, you know. Yeah, so yeah. we don't need to see every single punch of every single fight. You know, it, it, again, you know you're reading a, an Avengers story. This is an Avengers story for people who know Avengers, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, could it have been better if it was. You know, also about something else. If I mean, I don't know. Like, what do we? What do you tell? I think Robbie Reyes is the you know the only way, or Thor because he's confronting Odin about the previous team. You know, mm-hmm. here's, um, here's a
0: hot take. What if the the central character was Loki?
2: See, sure. There's there's <laughs> so,
1: <sighs> exact same reaction Here, I had. Here's why
0: I say that. Here's why I say that because I'm thinking uh-huh. about similar stories that are similar in scope. That I have really enjoyed, and I think of things like Final Crisis over at DC, or things Secret Wars, and mm-hmm. the character whose perspective really ties things together in those, at least for me, is the villain. Like in Secret Wars, your your emotional through line is with Doom, and in this is this is less true for things like Final Crisis, but in Final Crisis. Um, the the thing that kind of keeps you going through is seeing the villain's plan come together, seeing all the pieces lock into place where Darkseid exerts his control over all of these people and effectively conquers the entire world through the power of pure evil. And so, I don't know. To me, it's it's like, this is very much a getting-the-band-together story, and the scale of it is so massive that it, it almost feels like you've wasted the like this really good event comic setup. This could have been a fantastic event comic and had yeah. the themes and the weight and the meat that the really good event comics have and y- that's not what this is. It is a getting the team together. And f- for a getting to keep the team together story, it's fine, but like that puts it on the same level as something like, I don't know, Giant-Sized X-Men number one, which is a good story, but this should have been an exceptional story, and I'm mad that
2: it isn't. <laughs> that That's always got to piss people off. It's like, I wrote this comic, and I put my heart and soul into it, and people are mad for what it isn't. I know, it's I know. Like, I feel bad saying it, but I just... <laughs> I just you're, the, you do have a point because this this level of thing happening, this revelation that Loki drops that like, hey, uh, Earth is just a big space bug. You know, like, that Dead should be an event comic.
0: The size of cities falling out of the sky. Yeah. Like, and again, this is very clearly setting up like a longer story of some kind and so maybe the whole thing does wind up paying off in a really satisfying way
2: it is way. Jason Aaron who does that who does that, you who know? Does
0: that. Yeah.
2: And so, yeah, this will be interesting to revisit. But it should be a bigger event even than, like, the, you know, Kang Dynasty, which, in comparison, it's like, that's one dude in the in an army and a cool <laughs> ship. This is literal celestial gods, like, falling out of the sky and, you know, dark ones. And all of it. We didn't get to know, really. Like, we got some of their names in passing. But there could have been a whole issue where it was just, like... You know, when, when, uh, geez, what are their names? Now I wish I really had them in front of me so I could be, I could make it where Harry, when Harry met Sally joke, (laughs) I don't have them. Because at one point Robbie like learns everyone's names, you know, but we could have had the backstory of all these dark celestials, right? Learning who they were and you know, what from their point of view coming to earth was, Ah, oh, there's a lot of really great images. Like yes, we talked about Loki being in chains and just the you know him laughing. All of these really cool shots of of them taking down the Celestials. Robbie Reyes punching the ground and sending out like his his fire and some um, you know Doctor Strange magic at the same time. He's in the classic like superhero pose. Superhero landing pose. Um, I wanted to call out uh, the first issue. We get this great shot where they like first find um, a celestial. I want to say it's just this hand. Now I can't find. There we go on page 20 in the app captain marvel is flying right into where these celestials are appearing out of a portal and it's just this enormous hand coming out of this portal in space and she is this tiny little firecracker going at it this tiny beam of light just shooting through space and you know she's it's it's almost like a suicide run because she's so tiny she's like a gnat to this thing but still charging it um really cool coloring and we shift back and forth between you know these guys in space these guys floating through the atmosphere in their quinjet and then oh no at the center of the earth black panther and um dr stranger dealing with these you know it's almost like alien like little pods and stuff um just really cool stuff with the art here i think that makes up for like a bit of the you know story we've seen before because we get it in just the shiniest package
0: yeah uh, it's it's a very spectacle book and that's not bad
1: yeah I did want to mention uh, two things well actually three things maybe um, one being I think in retrospect this really is just a middle chapter just a middle thing as we got closer to the War on the Realms event which is what Jason Aaron's had been working on for such a long time um so i think a lot of this stuff a lot of the disappointment that we get kind of gets i think comes from that right like this is just on the road to that right up to it so it's kind of like well there's no point explaining it now we're going to explain it later probably um the other thing i want to talk about is i don't even mention how cool it was but like how cool was the flaming woolly mammoth
2: I mean, oh cool. uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of what was cooler in the book, um.
1: <laughs> and the gold, the the flaming giant celestial, right? Yeah. I also really just wanted to say that I thought it was really great that Robbie has the ch- the the ch- the chell. <laughs> I thought it was really great that Robbie has the Hell Charger as his like main ride, which you know we were talking about stuff that differentiates him from. Uh, for, you know, from the other Ghost Rider, specifically from, like, Johnny Blaze. But him having a car with a trunk that is also a portal is a really, really great differentiator because he uses that to send his brother to, like, the, the garage, right, where he works at. Uh, but it's also, like, strong enough to hold Loki in there, which is pretty neat that he just hung out in there for four chapters or something.
2: <laughs> that would be fun if, like, the... Because the ghost Johnny Johnny Storm Johnny Storm <laughs> Johnny Blaze,
1: there's a lot of Ghost John's Rider. Yazzle,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider has his penance stare. It'd be funny if uh, Robbie Reyes had like a penance trunk. You know, it's like not only can I trap you, but you're going to be confronted by whatever you hate most about yourself, or whatever you're guilty of, and you're just you know guilty and in the trunk. Oh no! You're guilty. Time for the trunk. <laughs>
1: Just a trunk of shame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, surprisingly, I'm for it.
0: Hey, you know what's really interesting? We have 212 stories on our list. Our highest ranked Avengers story is number 70. And really? That's the Kang Dynasty.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I was. Doing like I was looking at this in preparation for the segue to the ranking, but that actually strikes me as really weird. I think we technically like the Black Widow story is higher than that, and we have that technically classified as an Avengers story. But let's be real, that's a Black Widow story. The highest ranking Avengers story is that Kang Dynasty. Um,
2: hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess Vision and uh, Infinity Gauntlet don't count. Is Vision is has the Avengers in it, but it's all about Vision and his family. And Infinity Gauntlet has everybody. So yeah, same
0: with Secret Wars. Like a lot of those event comics that we have higher up, have characters who are Avengers, but they're not. It's not an Avengers story. Um, Yeah. Also, and I don't think this is actually that surprising. Our lowest ranking Ghost Rider story is Ghost Rider. The, the first appearance of Ghost Rider, which was a story that we didn't really
1: like. <laughs> that's that's where the hello Satan meme in our podcast is. Yeah, yep.
2: yeah. It's just, it goes straight from like, well, I uh, got a second opinion from the doctor and Satan, what do you got? You know, it was just such a
1: quick, <laughs> it's like such a quick jump to the devil. I just, I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Should we look? Should we look at some alternative health options? I don't know. I already got my boy sitting <laughs> on the phone. He's got some really good deals.
2: Really his copay, hot. his co-pay is like nothing. I mean, my deductible is going to be real pain later, but you know, for right now, all good, all good.
0: <laughs> so, where do we want to rank these stories? Let's start with uh, all new Ghost Rider,
2: the first part. It reminded me a bit of some of the other modern origins, you know, yeah. where it's a new iteration of a, of a character. So, a, the, you know, the Ms. Marvel, the um, Miles Morales Spider-Man. Um,
0: Thunder in her veins. Uh,
2: Ironheart and, you know,
0: yeah,
2: things like that. But I, I, it's higher than some of those, lower than Ms. Marvel, obviously. I don't think anything's going to touch that, so I'm not even
1: going to bother i i think based on like what you're saying i feel because my problem with this is like you said like the the it's kind of a basic origin it's not that exciting i think what carries a lot of this book is the art Mm -hmm. and even then a lot of us are kind of like it's great art it's really unique but like none of us were particularly like blown away by it right yeah, I don't want
2: it framed on my wall, but I'm. I would be happy to read more, you know, of this character in this style. So,
1: I kind of lean around where like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is, which is like the nineties.
2: Oh, I'd go higher than I w- that for this.
1: I yeah, I want to put it higher, but I have a, I struggle with it story wise.
2: Well, I was trying to find where, um, spider. Well, I think Spider Men is too high. What is um, that? Like. Whatever our, um, oh, we've 60. Yeah, that's too high. I was like, Thor's Battle World is too high. That's eighty two. Um, I don't know. I really like that one, and maybe, uh, maybe I'm alone there. But um, no, I think we all like Thor's Battle World. Okay, thing. so I think I'm going below there, maybe even below New Hope manga. I don't know. That's kind of like a benchmark number one hundred, kind of in, you know, the the middle there. But it is, I don't want to put it in the lower, you
1: know, half or anything. <laughs> Steven, what are your thoughts? You you sound like you're a little bit more positive on this book than we are.
0: I want to put it somewhere around Thunder in Her Veins. Which is at number 64. I actually do think it's that good.
1: I am a little hesitant just because I think story-wise, this first book does not inspire me with the same confidence that Thunder in Her Veins does. Like, Thunder in Her Veins, like, that first arc, I was like, I think we're... To me, it really felt like, I think this is a setup for something amazing. I don't necessarily get that same vibe here, but I...
0: Yeah, I I don't think this is as... I do think Thunder in Her Veins is better. But I do (laughs) want to put this somewhere kind of up in that range, because it excites me in a way that a lot of the stories that are up here does. They're not necessarily perfect stories, but they are interesting. They make me want to read more. I do think Thunder in Her Veins does it better. But mm-hmm. I think this is probably on par with things like Purple Daughter.
1: I I would put Purple Daughter above this, but I could see this being a little better than Craven's Last Hunt.
0: I mean, I'm obviously like both of you are are putting it lower than I am, so I'm okay with it getting knocked down. I just. I was, was actually quite taken with this book.
1: See, the problem is I started, I started out real, like, super positive on this book, especially because of the art. But the more we talked about it, the less positive I was on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least at least just in terms of narrative. I think if, if we gave this the series treatment, like we have like, Thunder her Veins, I could see this potentially going up higher based on the next few stories coming out of this. Yeah, definitely want to read more. Like we
2: talked about, it does its job as an origin story to get you kind of invested in the character and interested to see where it goes. Um, So that is good.
1: So maybe... I would put this above United States of Captain America.
2: I would put it above United States of Captain America, which is higher than I think it should be. So, because I would put it, (laughs) I would put it below Thor's Battle World, but Thor's Battle World is under United States of Captain America. So, was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not quite sure how that
1: happened. I think we could comparing it to uh, Spider Man Noir. How did Spider Man Noir
2: get above all the? Doesn't matter. What's done (laughs) is done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So putting it above United States of Cap. Yeah,
0: I'm okay with that. Um, All right. I, I I think it's it's reasonable to put this beneath things like Deadly Genesis and Future Imperfect. So yeah, that's fine with me.
1: What was Deadly Genesis?
0: That's Giant Size X Men number one.
1: Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Which makes an
0: interesting point of comparison for this uh, Avengers story that we read. Uh, yeah. Because they they serve a similar function.
1: You serve a similar function.
0: <laughs> getting the band back together yo.
1: <laughs> every two weeks I think I offended Steven.
0: oh no I'm just sitting here thinking like who am I am I the Professor X I don't want that comparison <laughs> maybe I could be a character from, from the, the Avengers story who would that make me oh
2: gosh I'm the really boring Captain you're America you're Captain America <laughs> oh, I, hate I hate it I love it which one of the Celestials is the real sleepy one? That's who I am. He's just tired all the time. Because <laughs> I'm not one of the Avengers.
0: <laughs> yeah, where does this story go? I think that Deadly Genesis is probably like more important. But weirdly, I actually would rather read this. But I also think the, the Engines of Vengeance, the, the Ghost Rider story, is better than this. So I think it should go under what we just ranked. But that's all very confused,
2: so I need somebody else to give me their opinion so I can argue against it.
1: I would put I, this right under Engines of Vengeance.
2: I would put it above it. I really liked this. I get that it's, you know, sure as an Avengers story, but it's, I don't know. Maybe the art just, like, really hit me the right way because it was just really cool. I, I would have put it higher, but I don't think that's going to happen. I would put it above, I don't know, above Gifted even. I just don't like that art.
1: Really? Above gifted,
2: Yeah. And like, Shuri is fine, but it's not like, you know, there's nothing super
1: memorable in there. Oh, you know what? I would put Engines of Vengeance above Shuri, because Shuri was... Shuri surprised us somehow, now that I'm thinking about it, but I can't remember how.
0: You know what? It's too late. We already ranked it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Too late. Too late. Boy, if only there was some sort of recording, so I could really kind of go back and find out why we ranked it that high.
2: I think we were just really high on the character. The Superhuman Registration Podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. (laughs) As long as it's Spotify. No, there are (laughs) a other places, (laughs) but...
1: Find that wherever podcasts are found. Spoofy.
0: And then tell us where podcasts are, because we don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, we gave you some stuff there, Steven. Work with it.
0: Of the options that were kind of thrown out there, the one that appeals to me the most is putting this just under Engines of Vengeance, which I feel like there's a cop-out a
1: little bit. I mean, if you want to put it higher, argue for it. I'm malleable. I'm like an Ed McGinnis drawing. <laughs> but I thought this
2: was... I thought this was called Engines of Vengeance. Oh, putting... Sorry, putting Avengers b- below Engines of Vengeance. Okay, I think... It- yes. yes.
0: <sighs> that, that's me. I much... I very much preferred Engines of Vengeance. It knew what it wanted to be and it was more focused and it delivered in a way that I don't think the final host did despite the bombast, which was still fun and so it's still worth reading. I just would rather read Engines of Vengeance first.
1: Yeah, narratively, narratively, Engines of Vengeance is more focused, which it's also a smaller scale story, right? Yeah. At least for me, I, I would take the art of Engines of Vengeance over Ed McGinnis anything. I would I would I would pop Tradmore art if it was pills. <laughs> Wait, no,
2: don't do it. You see what happens if you pop those pills.
0: <laughs> gotta you gotta check your kids Halloween candy. Some folks are sticking
1: Tradmore Trad art Moore in pills? the middle of stickers <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, my boy, he stylized. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. So, I don't know. And just, so
2: I I think it goes above, but I uh, also respect democracy. Somebody has
1: to, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sad. All right. So I guess it's going under Engines of Vengeance.
0: Okay, that's our our new seventy five and seventy six Engines of Vengeance and the final host. Boy, Engines of Vengeance is such a difficult title to say.
1: It is. It's like the... Also, r- 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 <laughs> I like the final The final host is fine, but it does not have Kang crashing into Earth on a spaceship shaped like a sword challenging Captain America to a fight.
2: That, yeah, that moment really keeps that solidly in its place. It
1: really does. That carries a lot for it being, what, 12 issues or 11 issues? <laughs> It's such a good moment. It's so I wanna say it's iconic, but.
2: If you're gonna have a spaceship and you don't have it in a sword, then you better have a really good reason why not.
1: <laughs> it better look amazing.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so next episode will be our Halloween special. I believe the episode will actually uh go up on Halloween, and so we gotta do it. We gotta we gotta Go back to our no. roots. We gotta read some Marvel Zombies Returns.
1: <laughs> huh. No, and nobody was happy.
0: And nobody was happy. I don't know. The Marvel Zombies
2: books have been getting better. That is I was thinking about that, and I remember saying, like, hey, I didn't hate this one like I thought I would for
1: the yeah, last episode. Marvel
0: Zombies episode. 4 actually,
1: uh... It's the highest rated Marvel Zombies book.
0: Yeah, it it was 147, which at the time was—I mean, it's still pretty bad. hundred It's 194 out of 214, but they're getting better. Marvel Zombies number one is at 207. We'll see how these that story does. Um, we're going to accompany it with another like vaguely spooky story, uh, in part inspired by the the character's recent appearance on the new Marvel special Werewolf by Midnight. Is that what it's called?
1: No, Werewolf Werewolf by Night. Night. Werewolf by Night. Like the comic. I couldn't remember
0: what the comic was called. It's called Werewolf Werewolf by Night.
1: Terrible story.
0: terrible (laughs) title. I haven't seen the special yet. Aldo says it's really good. Character Elsa Bloodstone is in it. And she, I believe, first appeared in a 2001 series that was very, very strongly trying to get on that Buffy the Vampire Slayer train. Character wasn't even a redhead in, in the original Bloodstone comic. She was blonde.
1: You know what bums me out is she's not even a redhead in Werewolf by Night.
2: It's black and white. Of course she's not. You guys well, know that Buffy was blonde, right? But Elsa Bloodstone yeah. is a redhead.
1: The sure. most popular
0: iteration of the character is redhead.
1: The most consistent iteration as well.
0: Right. But the original version is blonde because they're very trying to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I haven't read the story, so this is stuff that I've read about it. it we'll have to see if it's any good.
1: It's not written by Jom Swabbins, is it? Uh no. Okay. Just just double checking.
0: <laughs> Man, I don't I don't I don't know that I can keep calling him Jom Swabbin Because that's a term of
1: endearment. And Oh, not for me. <laughs>